Welcome back to the channel today, everyone. I'm Sarah Higdon. I'm your host. This is Transform to Freedom. Um, welcome to all the new people who have not seen my show before. Exciting to have you here. Um, yeah, it's been a week, hasn't it? So um, I know there's going to be qu probably quite a few people who have who are brand new to the channel because um, to the regulars. After the Jubilee debate and after my release of the midweek video last week, we gained a lot of new followers and friends. So I'm so glad to have everyone here talking about the issues of the day. If you're new to the channel, this show is a, it's kind of a, it's a news of the day show. You know, what's going on this week in the news? Um, a lot of times, I've, I think if, you, if you've been here for a little while, I write articles on the weekends for the post-millennial and human events. Um, and so what better show prep than to what I already know and, and the stuff that I've already, you know, wrote about and everything like that. So that's kind of um, what we're talking about here today. Um, I'm excited to, yeah, have everybody here here and thank you um it was an interesting weekend i went to so this weekend was atlanta's pride event which is most people are like oh it's why are you why why would you do pride in october right so atlanta's pride is is the largest pride event outside of june and it's the largest one that coincides with it's one of the largest ones outside of june it's the largest one that coincides with international coming out day and so that's kind of why they do it and it's like the second week in in october i think it it, it, it it's interesting now i had some videos post millennial posted them on their um on their twitter channel this weekend what i will say Compared to all the other Pride events and all the other craziness that you see in New York, um, Seattle, San Francisco, around the country with all the sexualization, I am I'm happy to report that my feelings about Atlanta Pride, what I've observed over the years, is still pretty much correct. Atlanta is not the kink fest that you see everywhere else in fact i didn't even report i was on the news desk yesterday because there really wasn't a story to report about um on saturday so there wasn't any news there wasn't any anything you know and so we you know i did we were uh we decided to have me not cover the parade and uh and instead i was better suited to you know write articles um uh, for everything else that's going on so that's a good thing and actually i had um I was in contact with um, Ellie, who is the Gays Against Groomers chapter lead here in Georgia, and she was on site to give me any any if there was a story at the parade. And I, I you know, no news is good news. So I'm I'm saying like Atlanta does things different. Atlanta's like it, it is different. Um, it's better. It's kind of the last bastion of sanity, I guess. Our community is a little bit different down here, which is nice. I mean, it's nice to see that not everywhere has completely gone off the rails into, you know, queer theory. 
However, it doesn't mean it didn't have some stuff. I mean, yes, there. I mean, there was a guy walking around naked. Now, when I looked at, when I saw this guy, oh, he wasn't naked. He was wearing like a jock strap and walking around. And I'm like, when I see this guy, I'm like, I look around and there's no kids. So there was not a ton of kids at this pride event, which again is very good. Um, other than in the family fun center. And if you saw, they did have a drag queen story hour, which I reported on um, Saturday as well. As well, I do kind of want to highlight this because this is actually one of the disturbing things that I saw. So, oh, let me see, pop this up. Where is, there we go. So these are all the books that were in the Family Resource Center. And actually, let me show you this a little bit better. If I pop this up full screen, This Book is Gay by Juno Dawson. Um, not a good book for children at all. Shouldn't even be there. Let me see. What's interesting is this one, my awesome guide to, what is it? The awesome autistic guide to the trans, to trans teens. So they're acknowledging that there is a high propensity, you know, there's a high propensity of autism in um, the trans teen community. That book would basically mean that it's probably not being trans. It's probably their autism that's leading them down that path. Um, and maybe that should be the focus and not transitioning those teens. I mean, that would make more sense, right? Um, another Juno Dawson book. There's some other ones in here. Let me see. Let me pull, let me look up. Where is this? Yeah, I can get a better better look on this other on my other on my other screen. I have it pulled up. So there's another one that's growing up trans. Amazing Ace. Awesome. Wait, A-R-O? Okay. We've talked about this before on this channel. Ace stands for asexual. And if you're talking about children, why are we actually talking about the physical act of sex? Every single child should be asexual. <laughs> Everyone. This doesn't make sense to have around kids. It's it's. It's pretty bad. Um, oh, a romantic. Yeah, still not, still not for kids. Um, there's a book called "Becoming a Queer." Um, a queer history of the United States. Hmm. Yeah, there's there's quite a few. I mean, if you look at some of these, that's it's pretty it's pretty interesting. I um I didn't take a long look there because I am me and I'm could be fairly recognizable. Um I've also because I even here, especially here in Georgia, you know, I've spoke um on legislation and everything like that here. So some of these people might know who I am, um, but yeah, I didn't. Um, I, I, it, it was all good. I mean, now during, that's the other, the other thing. And I, I want to highlight this too. I took pictures, but I'm not going to post, I'm not going to put pictures up here because 
um, I'm not going to put this picture up because it shows like a child's face and stuff like that. So you can see it, but this probably a three or four year old holding a, a trans flag sign. It's like a sign, a little one that says I exist. I belong probably three or four years old. That was pretty, that was pretty bad. Um, then there was just a lot of kids in the trans parade, which was just, that was what was wrong. That's we, I, I'll, I'll play the video from that we had from the post millennial, but I actually went into incognito for the trans parade. This was my look. Check this out. I feel like I blended pretty well, right? Blended pretty well. I had to because the thing is, um, yeah, if I was going to get spotted anywhere, it was going to be the trans parade because so I definitely uh, I masked up. They didn't know who I was, so it was perfect. <laughs> Especially after the Jubilee debate. Obviously, like after the Jubilee debate being fresh in everybody's minds, people are going to recognize me at the trans parade. I mean, so yeah. <laughs> it was it was good. Um, Forest Mommy. Oh, hi. Love that you're in the chat today. I did not see anybody buying the books. Um, so... I didn't see anybody really taking them either, but I'm like, that's, I think that they were kind of on display because this was like a, uh, here, let me see, let me pull this up. Um, this was what it looked like. This is like the family funds, the family center over here. Right. So if you look at it, like there's this little area where there's books and everything like that. And then there's places for them to like kind of sit down and read the books there. So I, I didn't really stay there too long. I already had people kind of looking at me weird because I didn't have kids and I was over there filming. So um, it was kind of, yeah, I was waiting for security to ask me to step away and I was just like, I'm a reporter, so leave me alone. Plus I'm trans, leave me alone. But I didn't need to. Um, but I didn't see anybody really touching them, but and there wasn't like a ton of people over there either, which again is is kind of a good thing. Um, it's just, yeah. But then, yeah, this is the the trans parade. So let's play that. I wonder if it, I, I haven't watched this completely through. There was this one person who was literally standing there with it was like a crop top like top like it was like a skin tight top and it was like the color of their skin and it was like prosthetic breasts and then it was like had a bathing suit over it like it was i was i was kind of amazed at that one um again not some that's not something to be around children it was definitely some sort of fetish. But yeah, you could kind of see some of the kids in, in the video. There's a lot of kids.
But there, I mean, that was the thing that there was no weird chance or anything like that. There, like I said, there was no story. So let's see if we got it. Yeah, actually, um, Luke N says a lot. That's a lot of people for our small community, right? Well, that's what's interesting. Like the trans um, parade was the largest, of, or the trans march was the largest of the marches that we had, because um, th then there was the the bisexual and asexual pride, which it was interesting because then they were chanting stuff about queer pride too in there i didn't get that um I, and then why again I, I it's interesting because atlantic does seem to be kind of the last bastion of traditional like pride events and stuff like that is because they had a butch like the butch march and it was like all lesbians it was small but it was all lesbians there was not there was maybe one or two trans people in the whole thing, but it was mostly very much lesbian. So it, it, it kind of seemed again, like more traditional, normal, like how pride used to be before it got really crazy and became like a kink fest. Cause I mean, if you're new to the channel, I've long talked about like, I'm okay with pride. Like, you can have kink at pride. I don't kink shame in that regard. Um, or you can have kids at pride, but you can't have kink and kids at pride because that is deviant and disgusting. And there's no need to have the kink around the children, but you can have it, you know, whatever do it. You can, you can either have a tame pride or you can have a kink fest pride. I don't really care either way as long as the kink fest pride doesn't include children I, I i really don't really don't care so yeah everybody everybody for the most part was dressed courtney like you said um i didn't like i said there was some and then you get the the the, the bondage masks and stuff like that but it's not like what you see in other places right so Forest Mommy says there are many places with adults to go to do your kinks. Why they, yeah, exactly. Like what it does is reinforce the old stereotypes of the LGBT community, right? So if you're like the old stereotypes was that this whole lifestyle was based on, you know, deviant sex and all this stuff. And so when you're having kink at Pride, it kind of just reinforces all those crazy stereotypes when, yeah. Go do it to a nightclub. Go to a nightclub. Go to a bar. Go, you know, to a sex club. I, I don't know. Like, there's everything here in the city. Like, why do you have to do it on the street in front of children? I don't, I don't get it. I don't. And again, I, I mean, we, we don't kink shame on this channel. It's just, I don't want it around kids, you know? Um, but Actually, Courtney, the next story, actually the first story on topic for today, 
you got to do something about this girl. Got to do something about this. So North Carolina, the uh, P flag um, is suing North Carolina to basically allow the state to transition a child, right? Not good. Not good at all. Um, and it's nine, nine years old, approaching puberty, so we'll soon need medical care is what they're saying. Um, unfortunately, this is what, um, this one, again, this, these lawsuits, some of them kind of scare me knowing how these laws are written because here's what they are arguing. Where is it? Um, Oh, where is it? Um, I mean, they're they're they obviously in the lawsuit are trying to say that gender affirming care works, and obviously, if you're here from the Jubilee debate, you don't you know what I, my thoughts are on that. But the lawsuit says, um, "Oh, I didn't know this, Courtney. This bill was actually vetoed by your governor." And then the North Carolina General Assembly overrid the veto, kind of like what we did in uh, in Louisiana. But the problem is, and this is kind of the the thing that they're they're fighting this on, is that it says they're they're, they're claiming that the the law only includes is only for those who experience gender dysphoria, right? So it's only if the child claims that they're trans that they're not allowed to, um, it's only if the child claims that they're trans that they're not allowed to take these types of, you know, these, these kinds of treatments. And I've long said, one of the things that kind of scares me about these bills and the way that they're written is they could be a violation of the 14th Amendment. And unfortunately, that is what they are pushing here. So they're saying this is a 14th Amendment issue. Um, I can't find it. I know it's in, it's, I know it's in here somewhere. But it, they're basically saying it's a, a 14th Amendment issue because it's only for those children with um, gender dysphoria. The problem is, like, so they're allowing... They're, they're allowing teenagers, like young 16-year-old girls, to get breast implants. But they're not allowing young boys to get breast implants. So that is an equal rights violation. It has, you know, it has nothing to do with the medical treatment. It's a, it's discrimination based on sex. So why can a young female get breast implants but a young male can't? Um, again, it's discrimination based on sex on its face. Now, we've also seen some of these bills that are written the same way. I think the Tennessee bill is the one I'm thinking of. And it was um, written the same way and it was upheld last week. So um, everybody all need to strengthen these laws. That's the problem is I'm, unfortunately, I'm nervous about a lot of them because they they do seem to violate 
the 14th Amendment in that regard, where they should have just gone for a sweeping ban on all medicalization of any minor that's, you know, elective. That's what they should have done. But um, unfortunately, that's not what's, what's happening in these places. Now, another big um, moving on from there. Um, we are going to move to the next story is another good one. And it's right here in my home state in Georgia. Um, federal judges upheld our voter ID law, saying that it's not racist. So that's good. So now you have to, um, you have to have an ID to vote in Georgia, which only makes sense. Um, and if you remember, they were always, you know, the 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 Democrats on the left were always trying to say that. It was racist because somehow they, they're somehow they're not the racist for thinking that black people don't know how to go get a ID in order to be able to vote. Like this is the whole racism of low expectations, to where if like you think so, like the Democrats think so little of these minorities that they don't think that they can even go, you know, get an ID. It, it again this one doesn't make any sense um they tried to claim that this was a discrimination case against 14th and 15th amendment section 2 the voting rights act and so the uh yeah federal judge struck it down said nope now this this bill's been in the courts for quite a i mean it's been back and forth in the courts they they've basically started to leave in all the important parts of this. What they, they took out, they, they, they struck the, you can't hand water to somebody if it's over 150 feet from the building, but they kept it in if you're within 150 feet. Um, Cause it used to be that if you can't campaign within 150 feet of a polling place. And so, and if, if a line extended past the polling place, then you had to be within like 50 feet of any, the furthest person out. So you had to still stay without. And so they couldn't give like water and all that stuff, but the polling places can have water. The polling places, you just can't be a part of a campaign and handing out water to people in line, but the polling place should still have water. So there's a lot of inaccuracies that have been reported about this bill. Um, you know, in national news stuff, but a lot of this stuff is, uh, a lot of this stuff is good. We're, uh, we're making headways. Um, I know a lot of people that have been kind of pushing hard. Obviously I, I know a lot of people in the Republican legislature here. So, um, they've been, yeah, they've been pushing this too. And this is what was funny is cause you know, Biden called this bill Jim Crow on steroids. Right. And this is why they moved the the uh, all-star game out of Atlanta a couple years ago uh, in protest. So, and now the courts are having their say and the courts are like, yeah, we're, um, we're good with this. Right. Um, these, this bill doesn't violate the constitution. It's not Jim Crow era discrimination. In fact, you are probably the racist for thinking that, you know, minorities can't do things like get an ID. It, it drives me mad. Right. So, it is crazy. But on to the thing that I don't want to talk about. 
that everybody's talking about. And it's really the, the biggest news of the week is, you know, Israel. Everything that's going on is real. Everything that's going on. Um, this was ironic, and this kind of goes back into the LGBT stuff. Um, all the protests for Israel, um, or for for the for Hamas this week, um, it's kind of been crazy. I haven't really weighed too much into it because there's just so much discourse online. I don't really feel like the need to really weigh in either side. My side is that the U.S. should just stay out of it. That's really, really it at this point. I had I said before I, I voice support Israel doing what they want to do. They have a right to defend themselves and um, go in and as long as they're not killing a ton of civilians, they have a right to take over that territory because they were attacked. But interestingly enough, this is uh, an LG the LGBT for Palestine is kind of a. kind of ironic it's like who wants to tell these people right so let's listen to this activist uh-oh as a transgender woman, as a queer woman, as a member of the LGBTQ community, and I come to you today to denounce the duplicitous and divisive propaganda spread by the occupation regime. Them telling I should support the occupation, I should support the settlers, I should support the apartheid regime, and I should oppose the resistance of Palestinians. And why? Because of the allegedly LGBTQ friendly policies of the Zionist government and the supposed enmity of Muslims and the Palestinian people. But I am here to tell you that is a bald faced lie. And it doesn't matter how many times the politicians and the talking heads repeat it or how cleverly they tell it. It is a lie. I have no friends in the Zionist regime. I have no friends among the settlers. I have no friends in the White House, the halls of Congress, the chambers of the Supreme Court, or the corporate boardrooms where exploitation is turned into profit through the malign sorcery of capitalism. And there is not one enemy of mine among the Palestinian people fighting for their freedom. The enemies of the LGBTQ people are right here in the in these United States. They say that Palestinians are my enemy, but that's a lie. Mm. Y'all. I don't know if you've seen the videos. Um, I don't know if this person actually knows. Like Tel Aviv has one of the largest pride events in the world. The Gaza 
or the Golan Heights or the West Bank. They think more like Iran, where they will throw you off a building if you are homosexual. Like, who wants to tell this person? I mean, I think you're right. I, I definitely think that you are accurate. Where was it? Um, yeah. A lot of people in the queer community are just shills for Marxism. Like, you can hear it in this person's voice. You can hear what they said when they're talking about the capitalism. Um, having, I mean, I get not having friends in government. I mean, the government pretty much ruins everything anyways. I'm not a big fan of them either. Um, but I have, I, I do have people that I'm friends with that work in government spaces and are trying to, you know, be more libertarian and stuff. But this was all about, yeah, this was all about capitalism. This was about like these people, they spew these talking points that they literally have no idea what they're talking about. The occupation. We talked about this last week, right? The occupation. And it's so funny because right before I went on air, I saw a video of Bill Maher actually talking about the occupation, right? Like, how far do you want to go back? Like, do you want to go back to, again, biblical times? Like, before anybody else, Israel was the holy people of the Jews, and it's where three, the three Abrahamic religions were born out of. So who owns that land? I mean, if you want to say that Muhammad was chased from Israel and then I think died in jihad in Mecca, then that's one thing. But that's why like Saudi Arabia would be, you know, Mecca is actually like where Muslims pray to and stuff like that. Like it, this stuff, it, it doesn't make sense. Like how far do you want to go back? Cause everybody, if you want to really look at it, everybody, every country is stolen land and colonized from somewhere else, you know, through history. Um, Off topic, but Chelsea, let me see. One second. Were you out as trans when you're in the military? I'm curious about your experience as a trans woman in the army. Do you have a video on it? I don't have a video on it. I was not out when I was in the army. Um, but um, yeah, I'll have, you know what? Maybe I will do a video on, on, on that or in a different, in a different space. Maybe with all my new, with all the new followers and everything like that. Um, maybe next Monday, well, we'll see what the, what the news looks like next Monday, but maybe we schedule a ask me anything um, episode. I think that would be great. And I thought about doing it this week actually, because I don't want to talk about Israel, but we have to, because um, I was a logistics officer 
and I served in the 82nd and 101st um, on the front lines. So I was, um, I supported infantry units when I was in there. So, um, yeah, so I supported infantry units when I was in the army. Um, so when we deployed to Afghanistan, I was a Ford support company executive officer for the first of the 506 out of Fort Campbell with the 101st, um, right on the front lines, um, provide, I mean, we closed three outposts in Afghanistan and then, um, and then moved from there. Um, after that, and I'm actually going to talk about my experience a little bit later when we talk about, um, the breaking news that I just saw happen. Um, before we started, uh, that's, that happened today, which kind of goes into what is going on in Israel. So I'll, I'll kind of explain that in a little bit, but let's move on to what Biden said about Hamas. Do you believe that Hamas must be eliminated entirely? Uh, yes, I do. But there needs to be a Palestinian authority. There needs to be a, a path to a Palestinian state. That path, called the two-state solution, has been U.S. policy for decades. It would create an independent nation next to Israel for five million Palestinians who live in Gaza and on the West Bank of the Jordan River. And you believe Israel would pursue that after what's occurred? Not now. Not now, but, but I think Israel understands that a significant portion of Palestinian people do not share the views of Hamas and Hezbollah. Hezbollah is a powerful Islamist militia to Israel's north, which is armed and trained by Iran. Iran also supports Hamas. There's limited fighting already on the northern Israeli border, and I wonder what is your message to Hezbollah and its backer, Iran. Don't, 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 don't. Don't come across the border, don't escalate this war. That's right. Y'all, that sounds a little bit like, well, when he's talking out both sides of his mouth right there, you, you, you see it. Um, he says, Hamas needs to be eliminated entirely, but then advocating for the two-state solution is very much, again, speaking out of both sides of your mouth because don't you may not know this, but you like Hamas was elected into power. They're never going to go for the the two state solution. If we go with the two-state solution, this is always going to continue to happen. We talked about it last week again, where we continue to kick this can down the road. Because the U.S. has backed Israel for so long and militarily, we've paid for the Iron Dome. Now we're basically fighting a proxy war amongst ourselves. Um, but I'll tell you that don't at the end there sounds very much like a red line from Biden. Like, don't do it or we're going to get involved. Which, at this point, 
may actually be inevitable because today I saw this right. I haven't even read this article. I saw this right before I went on air and pulled this up because the Biden administration has selected 2000 troops to prepare to deploy in support of Israel. Yes, we have our ships are over there um, as well in, in support. They did say that the troops will not serve in combat roles. But where have we seen that before? Um, they said they were selected. Um, this is what's really interesting about this. I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of this whole thing. Like they're giving orders prepared to deploy. And they said that they're mostly from uh, troops from... Europe and the Middle East that are already over in those areas. And, and so at one, at one thing that kind of can maybe give a little bit of solace on this news is that it's not the global response force. So that's what I was talking about before is my last year in the army I was in 3rd Brigade, 82nd, um, as a logistics officer. We were the global response force. Most people may not know that one of the brigades is always, in the, in the 82nd, is always tasked to be the GRF. And what that means is they are prepared to deploy anywhere in the world within a 48-hour notice. And so we trained basically loading up on aircraft and getting ready to jump in out of the airplanes, like jump into any area of operation in the world within 48 hours and conduct air and conduct an airfield seizure in order to um, basically start sustaining and bringing in more military equipment to continue a fight and push the fight out. So you have, oops, so you have the, uh, the 82nd jumping in, then you have usually heavy tank units that will roll in from the outside. And they're usually probably pre-positioned. We have pre-positioned stock all over the world. Who knows if those Navy boats that were moving into the area were carrying, you know, I don't know. They may, they may have been carrying like um, tank and artillery and stuff like that, moving it into the area. So you can establish what would be called a, uh, what is it? A sea lock, I think it was called. So a sea lock, so uh, lines of communication where you can actually launch troops onto the shore from there. And this is all a little bit of stuff, but this is this is a little bit. Um, I could talk about this all day. Obviously, this was my job for for two full years. Um, but I, I trained and learned all about this for you know basically all seven years that I was in the army. So. Um, But we, I mean, we could have a unit there. And actually the 82nd, the, the global response force was actually the unit that they called up to move in at the end of the Afghan war when they, when they screwed that up royally and moved everybody out too quickly. And so um, that was what the 82nd did. So the, the fact that they're calling up this many people, it, it, I have to imagine since this whole thing kicked off the, uh, the 82nd has whoever's the GRF is has kind of been on a 
um, they've, I, I wouldn't even, I would, I would imagine they haven't even gone home. They're probably, they're probably like ready to go whenever they get that order. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going on over there. I, I don't know if I know anybody still over there, but yeah, we don't need to send, we don't need to send our troops over there. I'm completely against this. And there was an article that came out yesterday as well. Like I, there's, this is one thing, this is one of the reasons why I'm not commenting like hardly anything on Israel um, is because everything we're seeing on social media, I just don't know what's true and what's not. Um, there's so much propaganda being pushed and we saw this with Ukraine. Like what is facts and what is not? Um, we just, we don't know. And this is kind of the age of war in the digital age. We don't know what necessarily to believe is like, are, are the videos that Israel's posting, is that propaganda or is that fact? Are the videos that, you know, Hamas is posting, is that propaganda or is that fact? Um, you know, I, I don't think, I, I don't think we know and we won't know for, for quite a while. That's, um, and so that's why I, I'm not out here. I don't want to really push things, um, I, that's why I haven't even talked about a lot of this stuff on social media because it's not, we just don't know. So when I'm writing this stuff on weekends, it's very, we're, we're definitely using it. We're getting everything from a, you know, reputable sources and stuff like that. Um, but even still, like, it's hard to, you know, fact check everything we're doing when, when we're putting out these articles. Um, but I think we've honestly, the post millennial and human events, y'all, not to toot our own horns has been extremely good at it. So um, I would say we're, we're, we're one of the, we're, we're probably, you know, we're one of the best at putting out accurate information um, on this type of stuff. Um, the other thing that Biden said in this, this is an interesting one too. Um, here. Is Iran behind the Gaza war? I don't want to get into classified information, but to be very blunt with you, there is no clear evidence of that. At this point, no this evidence point, that Iran is behind any of this. Correct. Now, Iran constantly supports Moss and Hezbollah. I don't mean that. But in terms of where they, did they have foreknowledge? Did they help plan the attack? They, there's, there's no evidence of that at this point. Really? Well, let's let's look at the, what the facts are. So we know, and this this right here actually seems to be um, this is this was one of the theories as to before before this happened before we wrote about this yesterday. Um, this was one of the theories as to why the attack occurred when it did, is because Saudi Arabia was was talking was in talks with Israel. So a lot of people thought that they, they executed this, this attack against Israel to halt those, those, those talks. Well, yesterday, Saudi Arabia halted those conversations. So it seems like what happened really, they did what exactly what was supposed to happen. And 
not only did that did it not only did they halt those um not only did they halt those conversations but it, those conver- like the halt actually came and it's right here after the crown prince of Saudi Arabia spoke with Iranian president who told the prince that Saudi Arabia that Palestine would need support to prevent further escalation in the region. So they're basically like, hey, you should stop these talks because we need to support the Palestinians. Seems like that's kind of a... That could be why that happened. Um, It really does seem like Iran is very much in this. Um, And let me see. I don't remember where. Okay, so the other day, the Wall Street Journal reported that that Hamas officials uh, that that a Hamas official declared that Iran helped launch the terrorist attack on Israel, but the Biden administration still hasn't stated that Iran was complicit in the attack. And you could assume that the Biden administration might not discuss whether they were involved in the in the planning of it. Simply because if a state, if a nation state like the U.S. comes out and says, like says for sure that Iran was involved in the planning, that could escalate tensions and escalate U.S. involvement into it. Possibly, um, but basically, um, it was it was alleged that Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard was working with Hamas and base they gave the uh, they did the details of the operation were refined during several meetings in Beirut attended by the Iranian guards officers represented by four Iran backed militant groups including Hamas and Hezbollah um, which is in Lebanon so basically in Beirut Lebanon they all kind of met and it was said that the the um, IRGC gave the final gave the final approval. Like that's what that's what they're reporting. And then I don't know if it's in this article. No, um, you can see you can go and see some of our other reporting where the Iranian president was on Twitter talking about the end of the Israeli state, like talking about basically wiping israel like that's what and uh elon musk talked about it but you can talk you can see that on human events and we, we had two we had two reports one was on human events and the other one was on uh, the post-millennial so it really does seem yes iran probably had something to do with it probably helped it probably paid for it and also i would assume that the biden administration doesn't want to doesn't want to admit that they had any planning in it because Well, if I'm not mistaken, the Biden administration just gave Iran $6 billion. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that I've seen a lot of talk about money that we've given to Iran. But we also gave we also gave the Palestinians COVID aid, which we know was probably converted into weapons and shot into the Iron Dome system that you know, that we, def- we, we, su- we provide, you know, we help pay for. Again, we're fighting a proxy war amongst ourselves in the region, and it just continues. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's the new news with the, uh, the Israeli conflict. Now I want to share an article from my friends over at base politics, uh, Brad, Brad Palumbo and Hannah Cox, um, where they were actually talking about, this is a really good point that Israel restricts civilian gun ownership in the country. And it might be time that they, they actually, they reevaluate that, right? So, Think about all those people, all those civilians that were in their homes and they, they you know, they're, they're in their homes and just being basically sitting ducks for Hamas. Think about if any of them was carrying, had a firearm. Think of that. If that was in the United States. How far do you think these people would have gone? Right? Think about how far that would have gone. Like, these people would have been fighting back. They would have been fighting for their lives instead of they were sitting ducks because of Israel's um, gun ownership policies. This is why... This is why, and this is a uh, article from from Kaya Williams, and it's it's a pretty good one. I, I would definitely go check it out um, because, uh, I mean, if we had, if anybody was carrying weapons that day, you would you would assume that the damage would have not been nearly as great. Um, you know, I I don't I don't think they would. I think I think that you know. I think people would, if you, if, if people were armed that day, then they would have been able to protect themselves. I think if you were allowed to, you know, you could have, you had a, um, a firearm in your house. A lot of these people would have been fighting back. And honestly, yeah, yeah, yes. Second Amendment advocates are running with this. You know why we're running with this? Because when you ask us why... We need AR-15s. This is a pretty pr pretty prime example as to why we would want AR-15s in our home, right? Um, this is a pretty good example of that. Um, even though that the Second Amendment is about, you know, having a govern, you know, fighting against government that would that that seeks to, um, you know, implement tyrannical rule. Um, but. This would be a pretty good example, right? Terrorists come across the border. I mean, Mexico, both our borders are wide open. Um, come across the border. Just, you know, implement attacks. I mean, we know there's been a number of um, people from 
you know, the Middle East that have come across the southern border. We know that um, they, they caught an Afghan soldier who was a part of Al Qaeda that crossed the southern border back in May. I think it was May. Pretty sure that's when I wrote about it. But there, there's a lot. And this is why we, we you know, this, it, would, it makes sense. Like, why, why would you, especially, if, and, and Israel is probably the prime place that, where you would want, um, when you're when you're constantly under fire, constantly under threat um, from mo- a lot of the countries that are around you, um, you know, yeah, when you're constantly under a threat, I think you uh, you would you would allow your populace to be armed. They've kind of always had this false sense of security, I guess. You know, right? Like. One of the reasons why they've always said their crime rate is so low is because Israel's not the United States. The United States is so sprawled out. Like we have cities, um, but then we have farmland and everything like that, right? But in Israel, so it's it's really a harder area for like police officers and to have enough people to con- continuously, you know, keep everybody completely safe. And it's like having security guards like everywhere. Israel is a very small country, like the size of New Jersey. And so like on every street corner, they have IDF soldiers. So you're not generally going to have a lot of issues in a country like Israel. But when something like this happens and your people are sitting ducks and they, you know, they, they, they take out all your, all your IDF soldiers in a single area and then go door to door and taking out civilians. This is why you need still need the ability to protect yourself. It's smaller. It's smaller than the Houston metro area. I didn't know that. I know it's a small, small country, but um, that's interesting. Um, I know. I would have thought it was more like the size. Actually, you know what? It might be more like the size of Rhode Island. Because Rhode Island from top to bottom. This is what was interesting. I went there last year for a speaking event. Um I Ubered from the airport, which is in the farthest part, like in the, in the capital, all the way to the, the very far south side of the, of the state. And it was like an hour Uber. Like you, it was literally like 20 miles, which is like the size of Atlanta from um, perimeter from 285 to 285 perimeter. So I could, I could see Israel being about that size. Yeah. And being about the size of Houston. Yeah, interesting. So, yeah, you have IDF soldiers basically on every street corner um, protecting the populace. So, but you you still should probably, you know, want to be armed for in case the outside people want to, you know, come in and harm you. Um. I already had that one. I had another story here, and it was not about Israel. It's actually about Elon Musk supporting the Second Amendment. You saw the video this week. He was with the flamethrower, which is which is always cool. Um, <laughs> I want a flamethrower. I want to make some content with flamethrowers. Um, I was on 
um, Iraq veteran 8888's channel a couple weeks ago. If you haven't seen that video, go check it out. We talked a lot about like why I believe in the Second Amendment um, and everything like that. And we, I told him he needs to like get a flamethrower so I can so I can use it for some content because he's not far from me. So, um, but yeah, I mean he's kind of always Elon Musk. I love this meme, and I, I kind of want to. This this is a great one. This this uh says, and it's pretty accurate when it comes to constitutionality right the first amendment is for sharing meme with friends the second amendment is for when they want when they try and stop me from sharing memes with friends that's what i mean tyrannical governments doing everything <laughs> i yeah i don't yeah let me see I no, I do not trust the federal government enough to unarm myself. Um, the Austrians, no, not even that. Look what I mean. Australia is a prime example of this too, right? So, just look what happened with Australia. Um, one of the main reasons why the U.S. I don't think went as far down COVID tyranny as they could have and tried to lock us in our homes, like. Italy did like, like, uh, you know, put us in concentration camps like Australia did. Like the reason why they didn't go that far is because as much as they like to say it, the government still has a healthy fear of the populace. You know, and I don't know how much further I can go on YouTube with saying that type of stuff. Um, I don't want to lose my new following. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut it there. Um, but I do want to let everybody know. Again, thank you all for supporting me. Thank you all to the new subscribers to the channel. I truly appreciate it. But if you would, and if you're not a subscriber, please become one. But click that like and subscribe button. And then please go follow me across social media platforms. I li I'm literally on like every every platform, right? So go, yes, that's exactly what I said in the in the show too. Where is it? This one. Second Amendment rights are women's rights. A man can overpower a woman, but a man cannot overpower a gun. It's the great equalizer, right? Fully believe that. Um, but yes. Please, 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 please go follow me across social media platforms. And if you don't know, you can go to my website. All my links are in the description below. Um, my website has a links page where you can find op-eds I've written. You can find um, all my social media links. Um, and I truly, 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 truly appreciate all the new subscribers. It's good to see some familiar faces and some new faces in the chat today. Um, and I'll see you guys next time.